And last week, we asked the question, or we tried to get at the question of why, if I'm trying to live the life in the indicative, if I'm trying to settle into this, and this is who I really am in Christ, if this is how the Father sees me because of Jesus, why is there still so much evidence in my life that I am not farther along? Why do I still sit down on Thursday, open the Bible, and get immediately distracted? And when I pull up my smartphone, I have never once thought, oh, I'm distracted now, and put it aside. The Bible, we struggle to get through. Scrolling, never. Why is it so hard for us to climb the bleachers and not have that, un, that forgi- unforgiveness rise up? We, why is there still evidence of my former life? And he's looked at the fact that our lives, in God's great wisdom, are hidden. They're fully revealed in his presence, but this side of eternity, they're hidden from us. And once in a while, we get to see glimpses of them, or somebody else might see a glimpse of it in our own life, but they're, they're hidden. And when Christ appears, all of a sudden, all of the sheen will get pulled away. The mirror will be wiped, and all of the fog will be lifted, and we'll look and we'll see everything that God has been seeing in the indicative all along. And the natural question then, if this is the indicative life and and what the Father has already won for us in Christ, and even, and we know there's evidence or there's still things that we wish were different, the question then becomes, what do we do? How do we respond? Because we know we can't just say, well, I guess that's how I am. Class dismissed. Right? We don't open the Bible because we, we think, well, God, you know, he forgives my sins. I guess I should just, you know, keep going. Right? There's something as we live the life of Christ that awakens in us a desire to be changed, to be transformed. And we are called to be active participants in the revelation of the hidden life. And that's where the imperative comes in. It's because of what God has won for us that we are called then to actively participate and respond. So how do I participate? Verse 5, if you have your Bible open, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then there's a whole bunch of sins of desire that are listed. And then if we go down to verse 8, sins of disunity, sins that separate people from each other, anger, malice, rage, slander, filthy language. And God, through Paul, says, put them to death. And the image we are invited to consider is both an incredibly actively violent one, which strikes a lot of us as not church language, but also in an intentional suffocating one. There's two images 
Two ways we're called to put things to death as the hidden life of Christ becomes more fully revealed. And the first one, I want us to think about uh, a wart that you can kill by putting duct tape on. Perhaps you've had one of these or you know someone who has. My dad used to cover his feet in duct tape and walk around for weeks. But it works. And the question is, why does it work? Because certain kinds of warts need oxygen in order to survive. They're like fires. And if you want to feed a fire, you give it oxygen. And it grows and it thrives and it it combusts more fully and it becomes awakened more and more. And the more you feed it, the more it grows. And to put a wart to death, and to put a fire to death, you take the Weber grill cover and you put it on top and you close the vents and you walk away and it smolders and dies. And you put a piece of duct tape over the wart and eventually it dies. And part of putting to death the things in our lives, the disunity, the sins of the desire, we find ways to suffocate them. Not all sins need an active, violent response. But we suffocate them. We take away the thing that allows them to stay alive and grow. And the other way you put something to death, and again, this maybe isn't church language, but you get a weapon and you stab it. You take something and you actively and aggressively remove it. You cut it out. And this image, even as we're thinking about it, we probably prefer the first one, right? We prefer, we like the duct tape image or the tape. It's a little less bloody, right? When we see it, we're not thinking, you know, active knife and blood spurting or something, you know, visceral happening. We, we sort of don't like to think about that in church. We don't like to think about that in the spiritual life. We sort of think we'll just sort of cover it over. We'll, you know, we'll sweep the floor, then we'll pull the rug over it, and no one will know. Or there's a crack in the tile, and we sort of buy one of those nice little mats. And if we don't, if no one knows the crack is there, we, it really doesn't exist. And, and that's how we think about sin. And yet, the catechism is so vivid in explaining what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, when it's, he's talking about how do you move in the life to become more fully alive? How do you repent? How do you turn? How do you allow the life of Christ to be more full? And the, the first one there are two things. It's the dying away of the old self. And the way Paul describes this is to be genuinely sorry for your sin and more and more to hate it and run from it. And this is so anti-cultural. 
When we see something on a screen that draws our desires, the problem isn't the desire or the screen. The problem is that I I have to get over my conscience. Or when we see the person on the bleachers and we're climbing up and the the bitterness rises and the unforgiveness rises, the, the, the culture would say the problem is not the fact that you can't forgive. The problem is the other person hasn't asked for forgiveness. Which may be true, but is inconsequential in this case. To put to death means to see something as sinful and to have such a reaction that we hate it. We can't stand that it's part of our lives. We so wish it was different, that we would do anything to get it away. We know how the sin in our lives gives us night sweats and it keeps us awake and it draws us away from who God has called us and claimed we are. And there's, we so desperately wish it was gone. We so desperately want to run in the other direction. But I want to hit pause here. Because if you're anything like me, What I really need is just someone to say, is that really how you think about sin? When's the last time in the midst of reflecting, or even in the midst of the act of sinning or not doing something that God has called you to do, you, you took a step back and you truly were filled with hate for it? truly wanted to run away. For some of us this morning, the the call really needs to be, God, help me hate my sin. Help me hate how judgmental I am. Help me hate my, my filthy mouth. Help me hate the lusts that come up all of the time. Help me to hate it so much that I'll actually put the cover on or take out a knife and actively participate. For some of us, the first step out of today is to just ask God to help us hate our sin. For others of us, it's not just to hate it, but it's to take that next step and begin the process of going in the other direction and finding ways and finding people who will help us do that. Because as the Apostle Paul goes on to write, and we don't necessarily again like this, but he ties together the putting to death with the extreme response of God in verse 6. The wrath of God is coming. And we don't talk about God's wrath anymore, partly because we don't have a category for it. We don't know what wrath is anymore. And so I want to just hit pause and I want to do a quick uh, lesson in God's character. We read in the Bible that God is love. We read that God is just. 
We read that God is gracious and merciful, slow to compassion and rich in love. He is those things. But if we continue in those verses, it says, and he punishes action, activity, not attribute. Punishing is not an attribute of God. Justice is. And if you've seen the news and how Hamas has gone into Israel and heard some of the audio and you are not filled with wrath, please check your humanity. And if you are not witnessing the photos and the newsreels of Gaza and there is something in you that is not immediately awakened, that is the wrath of God that is coming Because how he sees sin is he truly gets the horror it does to us. The inversion of ourselves that is caused by it. The perversion of our hearts and our lives and our minds. The ways that it takes our hidden life and it keeps it hidden so we never get a glimpse of who we really are, the indicative in Christ. And the grace of God takes our sin so seriously. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to wipe it. And if you want to remain in it, God will say, have it your way. But if we say we hate it, we want to run from it, and we need Jesus to do that. Notice what happens. Verse 10. And we'll end here. That part of us is, be re- is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. The wrath of God is is threatened, it's said to be coming in order for us to be more fully awakened to, to be more fully alive in, and drawn toward and striving toward the hidden life that has already been renewed in us, in the image of our Creator So I'm not sure where we are, where you are. How do we hear the call, the command to put to death? To be genuinely sorry, to hate, to run from. How do we hear to be renewed in knowledge? To grow in a sense of scope the image of who we really are, of who you say I am. Let's pray. God, forgive me when I look at the sin in my life and I know it's bad, 
and I know it's wrong. But I don't have a desperate desire to get rid of it. Forgive me when my initial response is, it'll be okay, God will forgive me anyway. God, help my heart to be more fully awakened to how you feel about sin. May I hate it. May I run from it. And when I am tempted, help me not to see the imperative, but help me to see the indicative, who I am, who I have already been created to be, and who by the grace of your Son, Jesus, and the working of the Spirit is transforming my heart. God, that's my prayer. You've been hearing each one of our hearts in these moments. Thank you, God, for the lavish love that you have for us, that we would be called children of God. And that is what we are. In the strong and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.